All right. Um, so you only thought we were done with missions conference. The rest of the church ended a week and a half ago, and we're still going strong. Um, because we think it's important. Um, so we'll continue. Um, for now, uh, if you all could turn, um, first off, if you don't have a Bible, get one. Um, and a pen, something to write with, and a bulletin. I don't know if we covered those at the beginning. Um, so, while other people are getting those things, if you could turn to Psalm 51, that's the, the main chapter that we're going to be spending time in tonight. Um, but while you're turning to Psalm 51, I'm going to be reading um, as a bit of introduction, because this will pop up in that psalm, uh, Exodus 12. Now, Exodus 12, 21 through 28 um, says this. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go, none of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians and pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statue for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. And the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, they did, so they did. Uh, let's go ahead and pray before we continue. Father, I thank you for this, uh, this time to gather um, and discuss your word and, and learn from what you've written and what you've told us about yourself. Um, I pray that we would glow, grow closer to you, um, and that you would speak through me, um, and you would also speak to me during this time. Um, thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And... All right, so what tradition of the Israelites is being described in this passage? Passover. Passover. We've heard quite a bit about Passover. Now, He's describing this night that happened in Egypt where every firstborn male of the Egyptian families died. How, how did the first, firstborn die? What, what happened to them? The angel over. Right, right. In short, they experienced the wrath of God. So there is a lot of of people that died that night um, by, by God's wrath. Was God justified in carrying out that event? Yes. yes. He was very much justified in carrying out that event. Um, and actually, if God had not, if God had not promised to the Israelites um, 
this, this sacrifice that he commanded of them, God would have also been justified in killing the firstborn of all of Israel. Um, why is that? Ultimately, it's because of our own sin nature. All, all people are sinful. Uh, all people have sinned against God. It's, it's in our nature. Uh, what, was, what was the symbol of God's mercy in this story? Yeah. Yeah, the blood on the doorpost. Above the door and on the, on the two doorposts. And it was a sacrifice that was made. All right, so this is going to pop up in Psalm 51. Um, tonight, I'm, I'm going to walk through this psalm. We're going to walk through it in three different parts, as you see on your notes. I should probably have my bulletin open as well. Um, and then I'm also going to take a few minutes um, to shortly talk about myself. Recently, we've heard from... Uh, a few missionaries um, heard about what their plans are doing. I'm also going to take an opportunity to, to talk just for a few minutes about what I plan to be doing uh, in the future. All right, so we're going to break this into three parts, and we're going to go through it, um, the first couple, fairly quickly. Uh, the first section we're going to read is Psalm 51, 1 through 5, which says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Excuse me. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Um, so we're going to work through that little paragraph somewhat backward and we're going to learn three things from it the first is that the state that we are born into is rebellion um another another translation that i was reading um earlier uh in the week translates verse five as behold i was brought forth into rebellion um our sin is our rebellion against god it's the nature that we're born into and then verse 3 also points that out. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. We always know that that is our nature. Um, to make matters even worse, we see in verse 4 that our sin makes us worthy of God's judgment. Uh, that's the second point under there. Um, so the, the second half of verse 4 says, So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. God cannot judge wrongly. Um, there's no, there's no judgment from God that can be too harsh or more harsh than what we deserve. Um, but if we look back to verse one and two, we see an encouraging section. Um, verse one and two says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. So there we see uh, that God has mercy to give and the ability to cleanse. So mercy and cleanse are the two, uh, the two blanks on that point down there. Um, 
what I, what I forgot to mention before going into and reading this psalm is this is a psalm of David that was written after he was approached by the prophet Nathan, um, which was after he had committed sin with Bathsheba. Um, it was an unlawful relationship, and then he um, had her husband killed to cover it up. And this is the guilt, his own guilt that he is talking about in response to that sin. So, uh, section two, the second part we're going to look at is um, verses six through nine. Um, This gradually becomes more encouraging the further we go. Uh, Verse six says that, Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And so there we see that God desires to cleanse us. It says, Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being. God wants us to be truthful. Um, he wants our hearts to be clean. Um, and he goes on to say, this is where, this is where the passage that I was um, explaining in Exodus comes up. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. What word in that short verse reminds us of that passage in Exodus? Hyssop, yeah. Um, Hyssop is what they used to paint the blood on the door. Um, It is the sacrifice that goes over us, that stands over us, that takes God's wrath and is a symbol of his mercy in our lives. So David saw that. David knew that there was a sacrifice that would cover his sins, um, in the Old Testament, this would have been um, the animal sacrifice that stood for the mercy of God. Us who live after the time of the writings of the New Testament know that it was the sacrifice of God himself, of Christ, that covers, stands over our lives, that purifies us, and makes us clean before him. So this psalm while it starts from a place of guilt, um, quickly becomes more and more encouraging. Uh, we're going to skip the next couple of verses and we're com- going to go to the, uh, the final section um, where we really see our response um, after God has cleansed us, um, after God makes us right with him. So let's go ahead and walk through verses 10 through 19. Uh, we'll do these one, one verse at a time. Verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. So there we see that we are made pure or clean. Either word will work there. God creates in us a clean heart. We move on to verse 11 that says, Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. So we see that God's presence remains with us. He remains with us. David recognized that God was with him um, before his sin. 
and so he says, cast not away, cast me not away from your presence. He desires to be, to remain in God's presence. And he knows that God can keep him in his presence. To make it even better, we move on to verse 12 that says, return, restore me, restore to me, sorry, the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. So there we see that we are made joyful. This is not a last resort to escape God's wrath. It's, of course we want to escape God's wrath, but our salvation makes us joyful. Uh, the fact that God wants, to, wants us in his presence should make us joyful. And we see that we see that not just in the description of his emotions, but in the description of his actions, the further on we go. Verses 13 through 14, especially. 13 through 15, sorry. Um, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. His response to, to God's mercy is one of first joy, as far as emotion goes, but then he proceeds to tell others. That's going to be, is there a blank on that one? Yep. We tell others. And then he continues in verse, um, yeah. I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation. And my tongue will sing aloud your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Essentially, he can't keep himself himself from talking about what God has done for him, talking about the mercy that God showed on him that he recognizes he didn't deserve at all. He had just he had just had a man killed to try to cover up something else he had done that was also bad. Um, he's not really in a place to boast about his ability to stand before God. So he finds his joy in the fact that God wants him to be cleansed. And in response, he wants to tell others. He wants to sing about what God has done. And he wants others to be made right before God as well. And sinners will return to you, he says in verse 13. The final, the final section, um, verses, verses 17 through 19, uh, say, And the sacrifices of a God, and sacrifices, ooh, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion and your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings then bowls will be offered on your altar. So finally, in response to God's mercy, we experience joy, we tell others, and we make right sacrifices. In the Old Testament, this would have been sacrifices of animals, not only animals, but also serving God um, with our lives. Um, I didn't write this 
verse in here, but I want you to write uh, this reference below that last point. Romans 12, 1 and 2. A really, really memorable um, verse that we, we've all heard before. Uh, but it's important to, to reread um, often. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because of God's mercy, we present, he continues, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Um, and he, he goes on. Um, but we present our bodies as living sacrifices that would have, um, that would have confused traditional Jewish um, readers because they would have thought of sacrifices as always being something that you kill. You kill an animal. Um, but in this instance, we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We live to God. It's a response to his mercy, and it's our act of worship. Our telling others is worship. Our constant singing and talking about God is worship. Um, so not only does this continue with, um, with missions conference that we, again, never really ended here, um, but it links into our previous series on worship. Missions is worship. Um, now, I'd like to take a, a couple minutes. Some of you know that I'm, I'll try to keep this as applicable as possible. Uh, most of you know that I am planning on um, joining ABWE like, um, like Mr. Prairie has. I won't be going to Moldova, though I will be going to, um, to Norway. Uh, and there my plan is essentially to do what I'm doing here, which is um, worship God in any way that I can. Here, God has me worshiping him through um, speaking here, uh, through playing music, uh, through leading small groups, uh, and through evangelism with uh, some people that I know that are not Christians. So I hope that God is going to do many of the same things through me there. I... I announced last year that I would be going into missions, um, I think around November of last year, but that's not something that really came up suddenly in November. I didn't, uh, I didn't suddenly decide that I couldn't find any other better job, so I guess I should go into missions. Um, although as a music major, it is difficult. Um, <coughs> But really, with the, after having made that decision, God has brought to mind um, really how he's been leading me my entire life. Um, and missions conferences have, have played a huge role in that. Uh, how, how many of you got to hear um, either, of the, uh, either of the Freezes speak this past mission conference, Mr. or Mrs. Freeze? Yeah, most, some of you. So... Years and years ago, when I was a wee little lad, my family actually hosted them during a missions conference. Um, so they, they stayed at our house for an entire week. We helped them get to and from church. Um, 
and we got to hear from them constantly about missions. Um, and really from that point on, um, I thought they were some of the coolest people. Um, I had such a high esteem of them. And so I, I grew to admire missionaries. I didn't recognize that I was like six at the time, maybe, maybe a little older. So I didn't recognize obviously that God was leading me to Norway at that moment. Um, I did think that God might be leading me, me somewhere though. So we had like this old globe in my house and I would spin it and like put my finger down and be like, all right, I'm going there. Um, it's usually the middle of the ocean somewhere. <laughs> <coughs> going to the Pacific. Um, yeah. But that was really when God started my passion for missions. Um, then to continue, um, as I got older, as I got into middle school, so a lot of your guys' age, um, I knew that the college group at that time was going downtown to do street evangelism. They would take clipboards, uh, have these surveys, and they'd just start conversations with random people. Or they'd be like painting a picture on uh, Walnut Street Bridge or something. I thought that was so cool, and for some reason they let me go with them. Um, I was already like six foot at that time, so some people still thought I was a college student. Um, and God grew me through that. Um, now I, there were at that time there were there were sins that are that I struggled with, and I wasn't wholly dependent on God. I haven't always been as passionate as I have been. Um, but I say this to encourage you that if missionaries, if their lives stand out to you, one, try to act like them here and now. Um, try to be inspired by their lives to live like they live, but here. Live that way um, with the people that you're surrounded by currently. Um, Yeah, so that, that's, that's how God has led me. Um, he led me to Norway specifically through conversations that I had in college. Um, a bunch of random things have popped up along the way. Um, if you don't know where Norway is, it's really far north. Um, you, they, a few movies have been made about it. Uh, Frozen, How to Train Your Dragon 1, 2, and 3. Um, Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe some others. Um, if you don't know where it is specifically, it's really far north in Europe. Um, check out Google, Google Maps. You can find it there. Um, I, think, I think that's about all that I have. Do you want me to open up for questions or just pray and move on to small groups? Yeah. Does anybody have... Any any questions in response to anything in Psalm fifty one or in like Norway? You got to ask my brother and uh, my brother and sister in law questions, so I feel like it's only fair. Yeah. Do you know of a specific location in Norway where you're headed, or yeah, yeah, people there that you'll be working with that you can share about? Mm-hmm. Of course. So Norway. I should have mentioned this too. Norway, uh, of the countries in Europe, is one of the most least Christian 
countries. Um, about 0.5, if that percent of the population is Christian. Um, <clears throat> the total, there's maybe four missionaries in Norway. Um, to give some perspective, our team in Hungary has like 12 adults or something and a ton of missionary kids. Um, I will be joining uh, a couple, Nahum and Aaron O'Brien. Uh, if you want to write their names down, they're in the middle of pre-field right now, and they would greatly appreciate, appreciate your prayers, as would I. Um, we're going to be moving to Stavanger, which is on the southwest coast of Norway. So as far as different areas and different types of weather, Stavanger is one of the more bearable areas. Um, it's still only a few hours drive from the Arctic Circle. But um, <coughs> we'll be joining a small church there. Well, a, a large church for there. A large church is about 40 people, and that's the size of their church. Small church is like a small group. Um, this, this is a decent-sized church for Norway. Um, so that, that, that puts things in perspective. We don't know exactly um, what all we're doing. We have, I mean, we know what we're, we're doing. We're, we're living the gospel there, um, evangelizing and discipling. Um, there are plans for setting up a seminary there in Norway. Um, but it's, there's so much that needs to be done. We haven't completely settled on what all we are doing yet. Good question, though. Any others? Cool, cool. All right, I will pray, and then we'll split up into small groups. Ah, wait, I forgot to read the... Mm -hmm. I guess... You want to read it, or you just want to point it out? Okay, I'll, 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 I'll point it out. In your small groups, you should read this aloud uh, all the way through. I'll be the one to read it aloud all the way through in my small group, um, because I just enjoy reading it. This is the first page and a little bit more of John Piper's book, Let the Nations Be Glad. It summarizes the purpose of missions in this one page, and it's super challenging. Um, so leaders, figure out who's going to read it. And then there's a few questions in response to it. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, again, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, for both challenging and encouraging us through your word, for showing us who you are, what you are like and and showing us what we are like and how we can be made more like you uh help us as we continue on our ways into our groups that are, help our discussions to be uh to be fruitful that we would help each other grow closer to you um i just thank you for thank you for your mercy and the joy that you've given us in jesus name i pray amen